So, um, last Thursday week, not just Thursday just gone, but um, last week, however you say that, um, we were here having a worship practice, myself and Trish and Cathy, and we had a break because my fingers were raw, and anyway, we, we needed to have a break, and I went out to make a cup of tea, and we were making a cup of coffee, and, and I bent down to pick up a spoon in the press and did something to me back. And, and I don't know what I did, but I've done it before. It's not the first time it's happened to me, and it won't probably be the last. But it's like a little nerve pops out of place. And it's a... So I ended up kind of walking around like this for a couple of days, and I couldn't sit down, and I couldn't stand up, and I couldn't do anything, and I was like in a bit of a mess. And, um, and in reality, it crippled me. But I kept thinking about it. I was thinking, it's like this little itty-bitty silly thing here somewhere. And I, and I knew if I shoved my thumb into the right place, it was like I straightened up. So I only needed something to shove that in. I was here doing the worship last week, and I had a, a belt on so tight to hold me back in place that I could hardly breathe. Um, but it did the job. But it was only this tiny little piece of my back that was our place, that wasn't right. And that shouldn't have been a big deal. But it was, because it wrecked me. And I had to be real careful all week. And then the good weather, I think, helps just being able to sit out in the sun and enjoy that. But then that actually brought to mind something else. Um, Because I remember one time I went sunbathing and I ended up looking like this fella. Yeah. (laughs) Only I didn't have the yolks on my eyes. But um, I took a day off a walk years and years ago. I was only a teenager and I went hooky out a walk for a day and went down to Sea Point with someone, and this was long before I ever even heard there was a factor that you could get in cream. Nivea was the only cream I ever heard of. Um, and I sat out on the, on the wall there at Sea Point for the whole day, and I literally came home like that. I was scalded, right? I was red. Lobster, I think, was the best color you could think of to describe me. But you know what I was thinking about? It was only my skin that was burnt, but the rest of me was miserable. Are, are you with me? It was only my skin. It was only this little stupid thing in my back that was hurt, but the rest of me was miserable and messed up because of it. And, and I'm still amazed by how one little bit of my body, if it's not right, affects everything else. I get vertigo. I'm having a good couple of Sundays. A couple of Sundays ago, I was up here down my head on vertigo tablets. I was like all over the place. It was right. I was sitting down because I thought I was going to fall over. If I get a bug in my stomach, isn't good. The rest of my body isn't good. If I get a headache, I get a toothache. Anyone ever get a toothache? It's just like, cut my head off. Never mind taking my tooth out. It's like, it's rotten, isn't it? It just takes everything. Get an ingrown toenail. It cripples you. You can't walk. You can't dance. You can't do anything. And you don't want to do anything. But on the flip side of that, getting the sun in your face for an hour or two can lift your energy levels hugely. Just something good, something small. Walking and exercising my heart makes my blood flow better. And it fills it with oxygen and revitalizes my whole body. And you're sitting there going, what is he on about? What's all this got to do with anything? Okay. My body is made up of loads of different little bits. But each of them little bits kind of work together. Some of them seem more important than others. Some of them seem less important than others. But they're all interconnected and they're all interdependent. My feet need me hands. My hands need me feet. My head needs me liver. 
my ear needs my brain and my head. The rest of my body needs my ear because I hear the traffic coming and stuff me getting run over. There's this whole thing going on inside of me that's all interconnected. And if anyone wants a proper lesson on anatomy, Trisha is staying afterwards to give one. She's a quali- <laughs> qualified nurse, got her results this week. Um, so she is a real nurse. We're now going to buy one of them defibrillator packs because we have someone who could use it yeah, in case I have a heart attack. But here's the thing. All of these different bits work together. And when one bit is out of sync, the rest of it gets out of sync. If you have a Bible, I want to ask you to read with me. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to start in verse 12. And it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say... Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not a noy, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were a noy, what would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, it would look weird, but besides that, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while their presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, help and guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are they all apostles? Are everybody prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. But now we eagerly desire the greater gifts. And it goes on in chapter 13 to talk about love being the greatest gift, to love other people. And I was thinking, and, and, and during the week I was kind of trying to figure out what God wanted us to look at this week, and, and um, there was a couple of things, I suppose, that sprung to mind. One of us that I hope me back. It's amazing how, how things like that make you think about things. But there's a man that we know called Brian White who lives in Tulsa in Oklahoma. And he's been in this church several times, and his church have been good friends to us here and helped us out. The chairs you're sitting on were, were purchased by that church by a gift from them. Um, and his brother's wife and three kids were killed in a car crash this week. Whole family just wiped out. And I'm thinking, they're part of the body. And something inside of me hurts for that. 
And it's not, honest to God, it's not just sympathy. It's not just, oh, God loves them. There's something genuinely hurts because there's a family over there. And it's like it's a husband, it's a mom and dad. Her mom and dad are still alive. She has sisters. They have an extended family. They have a church family. And there's devastation right across the board. But that, if this, if that, what that scripture is saying, even though they're 7,000 miles away or whatever, that's still supposed to affect me. Just as much as when Brian had his brain tumor removed and the operation was a success, that we celebrated. And just as much as I know, they have celebrated for us. But I, and I'm preaching to the converted because you're all here, okay? But here's the thing. Our body lacks an awful lot of that. Our body so often just looks and goes, oh yeah, there's someone in trouble. Tough shit, move on. And leave them to it. Or we see someone else doing well and instead of celebrating with them, we get jealous. Or we get envious or we get competitive. And I see it too often even in churches. It's too much competition between us all. Who's doing better than who? Instead of celebrating somebody doing well. And it's sad because it's not the way we're supposed to be. We're really genuinely supposed to be one body. The rest of my feet, we're not, my feet, the rest of my feet, I've only two, the rest of my feet and legs and everything else were not given out to my back because it was hurt. The rest of my body was telling my brain it was a tick for bending over and doing it. But it was all in it together. And we're either all in this together or we're not. And the more we're not, the more division there is, the less we're ever going to get done. And the less effective we're ever going to be. Because the scripture tells us the outside world knows that we're his followers by the way that we love each other. I have to say, what I see even on Facebook isn't people loving each other. It's really sad. We need each other. There's three points out of that scripture that I'd love us to grab. I need to grab that I think all of us would be benefit from. And the first one is that we need each other. We need each other. I sat with people during the week and go, do you know what? Even though you don't think it, you need us. You need the church. Because you can't stay on fire for God without fellowship. It's impossible. Paul says in verse 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And in verse 15, it says, would the foot cease to be a part of the body? If it said, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. I have seen people leave church because they're not a hand. Or they're not standing up here with a microphone. And they go, well, you don't need me. I'm not that, so I'm out here. I don't need the body. And there's a phrase we have in Ireland that says, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. And that's what you do when you walk out of a church or something like that. You're, the only person who suffers in that is yourself. You lose out on that fellowship. You lose out on that encouragement. You lose out on that strength. And you lose out on the challenge. And you lose out on the trouble. I, I'm not going to say, but that trouble is there for to help us grow. To help us become who we're supposed to be. The deeper into this you get, it doesn't get more peaceful. Or just let me like burst any bubbles you've got. Any illusions, there's a beautiful rose, but there's an awful lot of thorns to climb up first. 
And before you even get to the thorns, the stuff they put on the bed of roses, which we won't mention the wood, but it's not a very nice smell. People have to climb through some of that. In the body of Christ, we need each other, not for the health of the body, but to enable each individual member to operate at its full potential. It's true in the human body, and it's true in the church. We need each other, and we belong to each other. And we understand that no one can rightly say, I'm useless and I have nothing to offer. Because if you're part of a body, everybody has. I have no idea why I have toenails, but I obviously need them for something. If only to protect the ends of my toes. I have fingernails. Essentially, I could probably live without them, but they're handy for scratching. Picking things off of labels. But I'm saying, but everything has a reason. Everything has a purpose. They say we don't need an appendix, but we must have some time. Because God, if only for them to have something to take out, God gave us something. There's no part of our body is supposed to be able to sit there with some kind of superiority complex or some kind of attitude of self-sufficiency to another part of the body and say, I don't need you. That's not supposed to be the way we live. And the stronger and the more spiritual and mature members shouldn't go around saying to those people that are weaker or less mature, we don't need you either. You can get out. Goodbye. Every member matters. Every part of the body has a contribution to make. Even those parts that seem to be weaker or less honorable. So if the church is supposed to be what God wants it to be and to function the way God wants it to function, we need each other. I need you. You need me. And we all need each other. And we're only one tiny little fingernail on the body that is the whole world. And you know what? They all need us. But we need all them. There's a story about, um, there's a guy called um, Dwight Moody. He was a famous preacher in Chicago, or in America. And he had this uh, church, and there was a really famous businessman in the city who was part of the church, but then stopped being part of the church. And he went to meet him one day. And the, the businessman said to him, listen, I'm, I'm really a good Christian and I'm following God and, and, and I don't believe I need to be going to church to be a good Christian. I can be just as good a Christian without going to church. And Moody never said a word. But there was a fire burning in the office where he went to. And he went over to the fire, he took a pair of tongs and it was a nice red glowing hot fire. And he just took one piece of coal out of the fire that was glowing red and he put it down on the heart and he just left it there. And within minutes, it had stopped blowing red. And in another couple of minutes, they were able to pick it up because it was gone cold. The businessman never said a word. He just said, I'll see you in church on Sunday. <laughs> he got the message. See, some people believe they don't need the church. They don't need to come to church. They don't need to be part of the church in order to live as a follower of Christ. They think they can go it alone in the Christian life. But it doesn't work. You get battered on your own. Now, unfortunately, you get battered in church as well. Let's call a spade a spade. Church has not been the safest place that it should be. But leaving it and just giving out about it isn't going to change it. It needs to be fixed. Let's fix it. Let's stick it out. Let's walk it through. Let's do what we need to do to make it better. But walking away is cutting your nose off to spite your face. We belong to each other. We need each other. If we cut ourselves off from one another, the fire of your faith will grow cold. I promise you. 
I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. When I distance myself, when I isolate, it's really hard to stay born when you're on your own, to have passion when you're on your own. And then I lose my passion for people that don't know Chris because it just becomes about me. Here's another thing that we can take from that. We're all different. Now, you might be sitting there going, duh, I know that one, right? But really, do you really know it? We differ for a reason, for a good reason, because there's loads of bits that have to be done, and we can't all be the same. We can't all do the same bits. A body that was all eyes or all ears or just a giant foot isn't a body. Every single person sitting in this room, every person sitting in a church service across this world today, and every person who's calling themselves a Christian or following Jesus who isn't even in a church service today, a unique, one-off people that God never made before and never will make again. No one has your fingerprints. No one has your retina scan. No one has your DNA. There's seven billion people in the world today and there isn't another single one of you. You have an identical twin, but she's not identical. She's a ton of things different. She looks the same, but she's not. Are you with me? We are not. There's nobody on this planet. There isn't another Brian Kelly on this planet. Thank God, most of you say. And that's okay. There isn't another Billy Graham. There isn't another whatever you want to call it. There isn't another Michael Jackson. There isn't another Phil Collins. There was only ever one of them, right? But the amount of people who will want to be him instead of just being who they are. They lose out on being who they are trying to be something or someone else. I spent years trying to be like other people. I've given up. It doesn't work. I'm not even good at being me, never mind anyone else. I mean, realistically, why would we waste that uniqueness that each and every one of us have? Ephesians 2.10 says there's good works placed in advance for you to do. You. Put your name in there for me. No one else can do that. No one. But if I spend my time trying to be Alex, I'm not going to get to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to miss out on it. We met a couple in 1988. We met a couple called Paddy and Pauline Keegan who were running a business um, at the time. It was one of those multi-level things or people call them pyramid schemes, whatever. We didn't think it was bogey. I don't think it was bogey. But anyway, it was a business and we, I wanted to make money. And I got involved with these people to make money. My brother had introduced me to them and he was telling me that they were Christians and I thought, ah, yeah, I don't really care. They're making money. I don't care what they are. They're going to be Mormons, Jehovah's. It doesn't matter a damn to me as long as we're getting a few shillings out of it. But I met these people and they were the most natural, gifted evangelists I have ever met in my life. Okay, I don't think I was speaking with them a half an hour about business when they got Jesus into the conversation. Okay, And over a period of weeks, months, they got to the stage where they invited us to a church service and then we got saved and the rest is history. All right? And they went on and they, at that time they didn't do an awful lot in church. They'd help out with the tea and coffee and stuff like that but they didn't really get involved. But they were continuously, every day, fulfilling their part in the body which was reaching those that didn't know Jesus. And they knew their calling. They took the time to figure it out. And they were really good at being Paddy and Paulie and Keegan. 
but they were really bad at trying to be other people. Does that make sense? But because they were who they were, we got saved. Because we got saved, hope exists. Passion exists. And lots of other things have happened. Because that was what we were called to do and be. Because you're here, because you know Jesus, what is happening in this world that's supposed to happen because you know Jesus? What part of the body have you been called? And when you start looking at everyone else around us, we lose out on being who we're supposed to be. Because we're going, God, I wish I had that. Listen, I'm not sitting over here, I'm standing over here kind of go, I don't have this. I have this all the time. I sit looking at other people's churches going, oh my God, I'd love to have that. Oh, I'd love to have a worship band. I'd love to have this. I'd love to have that. And they're so lucky. And I have to kick myself back into like, but that's not who I'm supposed to be. I'd love to preach like some of them guys. They seem to be able to fire people up and do all of that and give it all the, do you know what I mean? It's just not me. I try it, I'm crap at it. Just, it's not me. But here's the thing. I know I reach people they'll never reach. And you see, in Ireland, that doesn't sit. Sure, it doesn't. We're not supposed to say how good we are. So it goes against our culture. Again, too big for your socks. I forget where you're coming from. Too big for your boots, sorry. You forget where you're coming from. All of that kind of rubbish. Here's the thing. Scripture says we should have a humble opinion of ourselves. Humble doesn't mean someone crawling along on their belly. Humble means knowing what you're good at and what you're bad at. Know your strengths, know your weaknesses. Know what you've been called to do and go and do it. Have an honest opinion of yourself. Not someone else's opinion of you. God's opinion and your opinion. An honest opinion of yourself. If you're gifted, walk in your gifts. If you're not gifted, stop being jealous of someone else's gift and walk in your own gift because you'll never be happy even if you got that. We had someone one time came who said they were a worship leader and God forgive me, I let them up without listening to them. They thought they were something they were not. It was like a bad X Factor audition. (laughs) Only it was live on a Saturday night. It was not good. I was at the sound desk trying to turn their mic down and push everyone else's up. They wanted a gift that they didn't have, but they actually had an exceptional gift with kids. And they didn't want to do that because they wanted to be up on the mic. What missed out there? They missed out and the body missed out. Because it was a bunch of kids could have been really blessed by the gift they had. It would be really boring if we were all the same. God, it'd be really boring. I keep thinking of this big one ear walking around. Do you know what I mean? How stupid that would look. Yeah? If everybody is doing their bit, and we're complimenting each other, and we're walking together, then what this world gets is a functioning body and a group of people who can actually achieve thousands of times more than we can achieve on our own. Massive amounts more. There was a guy, I want to show you a little video in a second of this. This, I just thought this was fascinating. There was a guy in the States called Herman Austria, I think his second name was. Anyway, his barn got flooded. He had it kind of in a, in, a, in a valley. It got flooded, a couple of feet of water. He wanted to move the barn. Now, in my head, Irish people, we take it apart, move it, and rebuild it. They don't do that in America. They just lift up whole houses and move them, okay? So he wanted to move this barn 
17-ton barn, okay? And he wanted to move it 143 feet away. So him and his son figured out how to put this whole big frame in the barn with loads of handles, and they got the neighbors over. Have a look at this. Isn't that mad? They had one little practice lift, okay? And 344 people moved a 17-ton barn, and none of them had a weight that was stronger than 50 pounds each, which is about three and a half stone, because they did it together. Yeah? Now, I figured it must have thought, took the sun about six months to put all them iron bars in place for the people to lift. But imagine if, as a body of Christ, we could walk like that. Imagine what we could actually achieve. I keep saying that there's 20,000 people all around us, most of them who don't know God. And there's only a small enough group of us. But that small enough group is enough. Jesus started with 12, ended up with only 11. But then 11 turned the world upside down. Turned the world upside down with the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit is here for us now. We're not the same by God's design. He has a place and a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And I'm convinced that as the body of Christ, we can reach our full potential in service to God. For the glory of God. For the spread of it. Here's the thing, right? A single mother can be saved by a couple that can watch our kids and let her go shopping. Simple. But you can be working within the body of Christ. A person with the gift of hospitality can host a small group in their home. Somebody who's been through a death or divorce can set up a group for people to support who've been through death or divorce. Or pain of other kinds. Someone who's encouraging can send somebody a card and go and thinking of you. Or a text. Ever got one of them text messages? Rather than the one that's given out to you? Just the one going thinking of you and praying for you and want the best for you or whatever? Sometimes parents with older kids, and I have to say we've experienced this several times in the last couple of months, sitting with young couples who have young kids and going, it's okay, they leave. Eventually they grow up. They do. There is a hope and a plan. Hold on to Jesus because they do go. You just don't want them coming back. No, but seriously. But, the, but that's, that's as much being part of the body as, as being a worshiper or a, or, a, or a preacher or something. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not. It's what, what gift have you got? What's God given you that you can bring to other people? George Best was one of the best footballers. And I don't pretend to know anything about football. I'm useless when it comes to football. He was the best footballer that ever lived. Pele was probably one of the best ones as well, okay? Neither of them ever won a match on their own. Not one of them. George Best... Absolutely, I think anybody in the world would say he was the best footballer. Put him out against another team, he was going to lose. He needed a team around him. He needed 10 other people who were doing what they were supposed to do. The goalie was supposed to mind the goal, not run up with the forwards to score the goal. The forwards were supposed to stay up the front and get the ball into the other fella's net, not down the other end. They needed a team. They were part of the team. And the last thing is we're called to mind and watch out for each other. Care for one another. 25 and 26, Paul says there to be no division, no dissension, no schism in the body, where every part should have respect and concern for one another. Every part of the body should care for one another. God, we're great at that, aren't we? Right. When one part of the body is hurting or in pain, the whole body feels it. 
Remember my stupid little nerve in my back? Every part of my body felt that. When one member is honored or has a reason to celebrate, the whole body shares in its joy. As Paul says in Romans 12, we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. I've heard loads of people say to Anne, God, you've got great creativity. I have a great pair of hands when she's putting the flower thing together. And her hands never go, woo, look at us, we're great. <laughs> never. But her whole body rejoices in the compliment. Do you ever have someone say, your hair's lovely? And your hair is going, yeah, I know I am. I'm like, great. <laughs> the way we care for one another is by knowing one another and entering into each other's joys and sorrows, by sharing our hopes, our disappointments, our hurts, our heartaches, our victories, our struggles. We come alongside one another, support one another, spur one another on. We love one another, serve one another. As a Christian, we honor other people above ourselves. We bear, we pray. We comfort one another, we encourage one another, we share, we forgive. There's a big unit. We forgive. In case you didn't hear me, we forgive. We forgive. We bear one another's burdens. We forgive. And in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. Or at least that's the way we're supposed to be living. I'll finish with this. Well, nearly finished. There's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And there was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job, and everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it, and it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. That's a phrase I'm going to say. There was an important job to be done and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Church is so like that. So many people only see the gaps. Why don't they do that? Why don't they do this? They should have done that. Their church should have. We're the church. You're the church. This isn't the church. I'm not the church. The leadership isn't the church. This is the church. We can either be in the game or we can be one of the 80,000 spectators up there telling the 22 people how they're supposed to play the game of football. We're supposed to be on the team. We're not supposed to be up there. You might be up there cheering the others on doing something, but we're not supposed to be up there criticizing like, uh, what's your man's name? One of them fellas that do the football thing with the little squeakies and all that. Where he cranks, giving out. They're sitting at a desk. They're not in the match. They're not in the pitch. Get on the ground. Get in there. Huh? What's his name? Dunphy. Yeah. God help us. And preserve us. Let me ask you a couple of questions and then I'm going to pray. Have you found your distinctive role, your ministry function in the body? And I don't just mean in hope. I mean in the body of Christ. Because that may not even be in this country. Have you looked for it? Have you prayed about it? 
Have you asked God to show you where and how you fit best into the body? Because there is a very... If you've you got one of them jigsaw things that has like 20,000 zillion pieces in it, there's one place each one of them pieces go. They won't fit into other places. You might bait them in. Get a knife and peel off a little bit. A knife tore pieces off to get them to fit in and stuff. <laughs> but it's never right. But there's a piece that just fits. And each and every one of us are them pieces. Each and every one of us. There is a space in the jigsaw of this life where we fit exactly. And that might well be serving in some capacity on a Sunday. But it might just as well be minding someone's kids on a Tuesday. Or getting someone shopping on a Thursday. Mother Teresa said, I can do things you can't. And you can do things I can't. But together we can do great things. Let's pray. Father, it's time for the church to be the church. It's time for the revolution of love and fellowship and community. And please begin in our hearts today. For all my heart, Lord, I believe that our church will start fulfilling God's purposes in our community. And that in that we'll see a new reformation in the church and a new spiritual, spiritual awakening in this area. And God, I ask you to forgive me for the times I felt I didn't need other people in my life. And I want to be part of what you're doing on earth through your family, your church. And I want to experience real community. And Lord, I want to pray for hope that we would experience real community. Lord, I want to pray for all of that, that rubbish that sneaks in so often and robs us. And that has taken too many people out of this place. Over this short few years that we are here, Lord, I have seen too many people cut their noses off despite their faces. Lord, I've seen too many people being robbed left, right, and center of their future, of their destiny, of their peace of mind even now by the lies, by the, the, the lies in their head telling them they would be happier if they were someone else. That they would be happier if they could do something else or happier if they could be somewhere else. Lord, like that woman in that video said, if we can't be content with who we are at the age we're at, we're never going to be content. So, Father, I pray for today for us here, seated here, standing here, whatever. Lord, I pray for us. I pray for them kids in there. I pray for Joan in there with the kids. Lord, I ask you to bless her. Bless the lads down the back doing the stuff they do. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would find that place in your body. If it's in hope, Lord, I pray you release the gift in Jesus' name. If it's in this area, I pray you release the gifts in Jesus' name. If it's somewhere else in this world, I pray you release the gifts in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would put a hunger in our hearts for to reach you and find out what it is you have for us to do. Lord, I pray you would put a hunger in our hearts for us to sit day after day after day, just sit in your presence and wait with you and wait for you to point to us, to show us, to talk to us, that we would shut up long enough to hear you. Lord, I pray that we would forgive. Because I know in forgiveness there is freedom. I pray that we would forgive ourselves. We would forgive others. 
pray we would forgive in the church and I pray we would forgive outside the church. I pray that your freedom would reign in this place. I pray that your freedom would reign in this place, God. I pray the words of those songs, we need you most. More than yesterday, more than ever before, Lord, we need you most. The days are getting shorter, there's less time. Lord, you're coming back someday. I don't know when, but someday. And I want to be ready. And I want us to be ready. And I want the thousands of people around this area to be ready. To be in your family, to be, to be in your body. I want the families of those seated here to be in your body. The loved ones of us in this room to be in your body. I want the ones who have been shipwrecked and pulled aside and isolated and picked off by the devil and everything else, Lord. I want them in your body and ready for the day you come back. So, Lord, whatever we have to do, whatever we need to do in our own hearts, whatever we need to do in our, in our families, in our communities, I pray today is today is the best. I pray from this day on we will never be the same. I pray from this day on we will never, ever be the same again. Lord, I ask your blessing over your people. I pray that you would make your face shine on them. That you would meet every single need that they have through your spirit and through your power and through your glory. And I pray you would make your face shine on them. And I ask that you would grant them peace. And that I would walk with you each day this week. And know the joy of the love of their Savior. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.